0: Face to face, hand to hand, film to film. You're dumping shit on cooked rice here. Uh, welcome to Film to Film, the Memories of Murder podcast. Uh, one of my absolute favorite films. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, Inyaki. This, this is a film that we've both seen multiple times. Um, what did you think of it this time and uh, when was the first time you saw this film?
1: I think the first time I saw this film was in 2008, I want to say. So it's been now 13 years since I last saw it. Uh, oh, no, no. Since I first saw it. I think I saw it again in 2011, probably. So it's, been ten, it's still it's been 10 years since I last saw the film. Um, I still think this is one of the greatest uh, Bong Joon-ho films and probably one of my top five favorite films.
0: Wow, okay. Well, you're not going to find much disagreement from me either. Um, This used to be my sort of go-to South Korean film that I would show to people uh, back when I could see friends and and real people in real life. Um, So it's been a few years since I've watched it too. Um, But I've probably seen this film uh, a dozen times or so. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm guessing I showed it to you too uh, for the first time in 2008. Um, So I've been a Bong Joon-ho fan for a long time, and I think – Uh, you've kind of joined along with me in the quest of seeing some of his films Mm -hmm. uh like we saw we kind of got introduced to him um or at least i kind of got introduced to him um early in 2005 i remember reading uh the new york times review of this piece and checking it out from the library Mm. and being pretty blown away back then and then i saw the host uh a year later and i was just all the way in as far as being a bong fan so uh you heard it here first. We, we were fans of his uh, 15 years ago. At least I was. And then uh, then I introduced you to him. And I think we probably saw Mother together in 2009, which was yep. uh, coincidentally uh, the first film-to-film podcast that we did together. So uh, big big fan of his work. Um, I've loved a ton of his films. Um, for me, uh, this film still is right up there with Parasite and The Host as my favorite of his work. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely one of my favorite of the uh, 21st century and definitely one of my uh, all-timers, too. Um, so uh, I have a lot of love for this film. I probably still put it uh, at the top of uh, my list for Bong. You were saying that it's towards the top of your list? Is it at the top of
1: the list, or uh, for your I would personal say, no, Bong ranking? Uh, yeah, I would say it's at the top. Uh, I mean, Parasite is a very, very, very close second. Um, mm-hmm. They're extremely different films, but uh, what, what makes uh and we'll probably go we'll go into more detail later but uh, what makes this film uh so so good for me is that it touches such a complicated and dramatic uh topic i mean actually a real life topic and and he just they he does it like so masterfully uh just you can have, somehow t- talk about something you know very uh, like have so many you know cri- uh, social criticism while uh having humor while you know being respectful for the real event in a certain way while they I mean there's just so many things that uh Bong Joon-ho did in just you know one one film
0: yeah i i totally agree um this the film and Bong Joon-ho in general but i feel like this film more than any other one is just super rich with just stuff to pick apart. There's just so many things going on, uh, from the humor to the sort of the backdrop of we see a rapidly changing Korea that's still kind of under military authoritarian rule um, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the parallels uh, of that to your home country uh, Chile sure. um, which was also having some similar stuff we'll get to that later um, but I think you're right this is a very different film from Parasite the film that of course he's probably most well known for at this point that won Best Picture and I think he won Best Pic- Director too. correct me if I'm wrong yeah he won
1: um, uh, he won like all the best Best Picture Best Director Best Foreign Line or, or Best uh, Inner National film. Uh, I mean, maybe he won best writing. I'm not sure. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I
0: mean, uh, he's a fantastic writer, and I mean, like that's something where it's like neither of us are Korean speakers, um, but like. You can tell uh, just the way that he's able to juggle all these things, and I, and I like the way you put it. This is just he's just juggling all these things at once, and he's doing it so well um, that so many of the uh, things just land home. Um, that it's a film that conveys the necessary sense of gravity for sort of this authoritarian rule, um, but also having a good sense of humor and social commentary, and just being entertaining as hell. Uh, and yeah. in that sense, I think uh, this and the host probably are the two films that are the most similar to each other mm-hmm. uh they came next to each other as well um i am also a big fan of the host but this film is definitely um my my top bong film
1: i think I, I think i will do a small correction here though uh south korea was not under authoritarian rule uh at the time that it's it set uh, i believe that uh the they were are, are... They were at least either in in transition, if not already in democratic rule. They were in transition.
0: I looked this up earlier today. Um, I think their first elections was actually 1987, and this film starts in 1986. So technically, it's covered within the film, uh, but... but I mean you're right. The the country is changing rapidly. I guess probably technically a good chunk of the film happens after those elections. I think we even see some of those elections happening, but uh it I mean, does we see start the pre- with Yeah, the president is like yeah. doing
1: like his visits and whatnot.
0: Right, right. So I guess I'm technically slightly wrong. With part of it occurs during authoritarian rule um and part of it uh after the first presidential election. So uh, I mean, but regardless yeah. it, it's a uh It's a very chaotic time in South Korea, Mm -hmm. um, which at that time uh, was a very... um, It's just not a very wealthy country at that point. And uh, it's kind of interesting to think that this film starts in 86 and we sort of have this flash forward to when the film was made in 2003. And now we're about the same time frame forward, uh, 17 or 18 years. And again, uh, South Korea uh, is a different place. And I think maybe one of the biggest... uh, most interesting developments in this film in the last two years is they actually caught the killer. Yeah, Uh, I I read um, about that. Yeah, and the irony of it is like a huge focus of this film is just on the limitations uh, of the technology and stuff like that, that they're not able to do it. They have to send the DNA test to America to have that done. Uh, Clearly, they are just poorly trained uh, individually and Mm -hmm. they don't know what they're doing. At one point, there's a pretty funny uh, dialogue about like the FBI in America yeah. And how how they have to investigate that way. So a lot is focused on just like sort of the general incompetence of the systems as well as the individual detectives in there. Um, and then the irony of it is, technology comes along in 2019, and and uh, with, through DNA technology is able to solve the case. Uh, well,
1: so he, so he, so here's the thing though. Uh, uh the the man. I mean, they they figured out that he was probably the killer. However. He has never been tried for those crimes, nor will he ever be tried for those crimes yeah. because of statute of limitations.
0: There we go. We're, we're enlisting the Esquire at Law uh, early here.
1: No, um, that, that, that's relevant in the sense that um, uh, the case was closed, I think, um, I want to say at least 15 years ago, if not more. The case case was officially closed
0: so i i have it open right now uh the statute on limitations for the most recent victims was going to expire on april 2nd 2006 yeah. uh that was increased to 25 years uh in 2007 and that so was lifted in 2015 so um
1: so there sure. you go I, either way you know it's past statute of limitations so it's interesting to note because technically i mean this is more of like going into like the ugly technicalities one that has uh implications which are under the law the man is considered innocent for those crimes <laughs> just like under the law you know bill cosby is considered innocent for his crimes or or oj is considered innocent for his crimes
0: well as the uh forensic person said there's some very strong evidence that we know who the killer is yeah <laughs> Um, and not to mention, he's confessed too. Uh,
1: no, so no, for sure. Although, 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 the, the movie already tells—if ta- there's one thing you cannot believe, at least based on this film, is a confession. Yes, <laughs> yes. Although he confessed in
0: 2020,
1: so no, I, uh, I know. I, I, yeah. And he's al- he was already on. A, uh, uh, I mean, uh, the, 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 the man was caught for other rapes and killings so therefore therefore he he's so i think already like on life uh yes with with life sentence
0: yes he was caught for the rape and murder of his sister-in-law which is pretty fucked up uh so we'll, (laughs) we'll just uh bring that up i guess um uh, One interesting thing about this film, too, is a lot of it is also uh, similar to Zodiac in that sense, like about the sort of psychological toll and stuff like that, that it takes on both the general public, but specifically um, a few of the detectives in it. Mm -hmm. Uh, One other interesting thing from real life, too, is that they actually thought there was a copycat murder that turned out to be the real murder. So, uh, So they prosecuted and convicted that person, and that person actually served time. Uh, and then they found out when later uh, the actual killer, uh, Lee, Lee Chun-jae, uh, confessed uh, that that person was actually innocent. So it sort of shows you the amount of like fear and stuff going, and incompetence of and corruption going mm-hmm. on uh, to, to make that happen. In addition, and this is all from Wikipedia, so I, have, I don't know. I, I assume this is true, but they say that at least four individuals deemed as possible suspects took their own lives in the 1990s after being investigated and abused by the police. So it kind of yeah. helps to show uh, sort of that atmosphere of dread and paranoia and fear uh, that gripped uh, this this society uh, during that time.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, if... So going, jumping a little bit into, into the film, what is fascinating about this film is the police... Are portrayed in a an extremely sympathetic way I mean to a point where especially like the 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 town cops you know uh, but when you think about it just a little bit uh, they're horrible people like you know they're, they're they they're tortured they they are grabbing whatever guy they think that it might might be guilty they 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 are torturing you know uh, confessions out of them uh, to to lock them up to lock them up and I mean that's a level of injustice that you see you know in I mean that's not justice and th- those were not real cops in a way right like that's not what we expect for co- uh, cops to do cops catch the bad guys they don't create bad guys and. It, and that's one thing that makes this film fascinating. Because I mean, you really like the main the main characters, but they're not good people. They're really bad people. And and the film never actually calls them bad people. And you don't feel like they're bad people. But on the scheme of things, on their actions, on their actions, not their intentions, but their actions, uh, these are individuals who are part of the problem.
0: Yeah, they're doing terrible things. I mean, I, one of the detectives, uh, Detective Cho, who is the uh, person that has the uh, special covering over the shoe. Literally, mm-hmm. uh, the only thing of value they seem to bring to uh, the investigation is to to beat up and kick the shit out of uh, potential suspects. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's something that is somehow taken it, – it somehow has the necessary gravity to it, at least to me. But yeah, you're right. He totally humanizes uh, the detectives. And it's something where it's like, I don't know how many people can pull that off. And mm-hmm. part of that is certainly the performances, specifically Song Kong-ho, who is the lead uh, detective park in this film. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's pretty incredible if you think about it, uh, like how depraved uh, some of the actions that they do and how uh, despicable it is. But they still come off to be extremely sympathetic. Even the detective uh, Cho, who... Throughout the film, we see him uh, just basically abusing suspects the whole time. Uh, at the end, there's this, like, really sad scene <laughs> that somehow manages to be sad but also kind of, like, poetically jest where he ends up getting his leg amputated uh, mm-hmm. from untreated tetanus um, because uh, – One of his yeah, former victims, that, like –
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, like, that's, like – in another film, the guy is just portrayed as, like, a total monster. Mm-hmm. Um but in this film, somehow, like, we feel kind of bad for him. Uh,
1: and, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's... Um, so, it. I mean, f- filmmaking-wise, it, it, it's a fascinating film. I mean...
0: The... Yeah. Uh, so, one last thing I wanted to share on the real-life case uh, before we move too far into the film uh, was he actually did see Memories of Murder at the time. Uh, it was the most seen film in Korea in 2003 the time it was released. He said, I just watched it as a movie. I had no feeling or emotion towards the movie. So (laughs) it's a a pretty strong non reaction there by uh, uh, the eventual quote unquote killer. What did uh, Bang Jun Ho say? Uh, Bang Jun Ho, I think, was actually touring uh, at the time, and he basically said that he needed more time. He needed time to process it, uh, which is totally understandable. Um, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Yeah. Uh, So a couple more things about uh, just sort of like the historical context of this film. Uh, It has a reputation as being one of the absolute best uh, South Korean films. Um, It actually lost Best Picture that year in South Korea uh, to a film called Spring, Summer, Fall, Winter, and Spring. Uh, A film I'm not actually a big fan of. It definitely has um, its uh, supporters, but uh, I'm not a huge fan of that. But it came out the same year as Old Boy. Um, So that's a particularly strong year uh, for Korean cinema. Mm. Um, Old Boy, of course, being uh, another of those. Uh, Korean Screen Cinema did a top 100 list of Korean films. This came in third, Old Boy came in fourth, and Spring, Summer, Fall, Winter, and Spring came in sixth. So um, really, really strong year, 2003, for uh, Korean films.
1: But what came in first?
0: Um, First, they put uh, Burning. Uh, Another film I'm not the biggest fan of. Second was Parasite.
1: Oh, I have not so, seen Burning yet.
0: Yeah, uh, Burning's an interesting film. It's more art house. I need to rewatch it at some point. I am a fan of the director, but it uh, I don't know if it totally hit home for me at least. Um, but yeah, uh, South Korea, uh, definitely one of my favorite countries to seek out films film from of the last 20 years. And uh, I'd say this, is, this film was definitely one of the early ones that sort of gave me
1: a strong
0: introduction into uh, their work.
1: Yeah, they have a a fascinating dark humor, many of them.
0: Yeah. And you know, uh, one thing, uh, if we're just sort of talking about the overall context of South Korean films, is just sort of the overall tone and tenor uh, that they choose to take. And one thing that doesn't always sort of connect with the way I watch films and the way I like them is they can often be a little melodramatic uh shall i say and the ones that i tend to not be a fan of are the ones that take that um you know a step or two too far um and one thing uh that i appreciate about director bong is that for his films um they tend to not do that in the same way not that they are emotionally inert or anything like that they certainly uh can trigger those things but for me it's done in a way that isn't overly done in a way that um maybe a few other films, uh, Taekooki, uh, A Brotherhood of War, is probably the worst offender for me that I could mention. Um, how do
1: you feel about that? Uh, I agree, I agree. I'm, I'm very bad with uh, the titles of uh, Korean films, so I cannot remember all the movies that I've seen. But uh, many of them would uh, certainly overdo, overdo the, uh, the dramatic scenes and abuse uh, their soundtrack uh, to pull strings, so in a way they're manipulative, uh, and Bong Jung Ho films tend not to do that, um, near, nearly as much at least than the majority of Korean films that I, I've seen.
0: Yeah, they tend to they tend to be emotional, but not overly so. Um, yeah. I'd say they they have a strong balance. And you know, I mean some people will connect to that more than others. I, I think I tend to be a little bit colder and clinical compared to other people. Um so uh but but for me that's definitely a, a big reason why Bong's films. Uh, he's definitely my favorite South Korean director.
1: Um Yeah. I mean you, you know, I'm I'm a softie. I, I do fall for the uh the dramatics and the emotional. I but I do not like when uh films uh abuse not so much the on the in the plot, but abuse on the scenery, the the use of music, etc., to make it extra melodramatic when it's not necessary, and that's uh, and uh, <laughs> South Korean films definitely sin of that. Hong Kong films do, do even more, but South Korean films uh, <laughs> certainly uh, abuse their soundtrack, in my opinion, yeah. uh, and. So so when you when you encounter the ones that do not like Bong Joon Ho's films, uh, it's so much more palatable. Yeah, you know it's interesting. I mean, one American
0: director that I think overdoes it for me, at least uh, sometimes, not all the time. Sometimes he does it right. Is Spielberg, um, and it, in many ways, I it, it's interesting because Tarantino has actually compared Bong Joon Ho to Spielberg, just someone that makes really entertaining genre films uh, that are. Uh, that also, um, you know, combine a lot of things at once and are just uh, emotional as well. Um, But yeah, uh, I I thought that was interesting. He probably wouldn't have been my first comparison to director Bong, but it's interesting that uh, Tarantino, who has been a big supporter of Bong Joon-ho over the years, um, has talked about him in that
1: way. Well, I mean, it's, it's an interesting comparison. And to be honest, I actually think it's a, it's a pretty just comparison uh in in the sense that Ju uh, Jung hos films uh all of them are dramas uh dramas on the which it 's the catch all phrase in 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 for for genre basically in the sense that many of them have comedy have uh, some entertainment elements um their u- their use of music are, are pretty spot on on the 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 you know the scene the Basically, the shot composition, everything is pretty fucking perfect. I mean, generally speaking, like, you can see that. And, I mean, Spielberg... Earlier Springer, uh, Spielberg, and maybe until, if you will... Um, I don't know, like... AI? AI, it's, it's, a, it's a weird film. AI, uh, he was working off a uh, script... Kubrick. Uh, by Kubrick, and apparently Kubrick's script is actually even more unbearable than Spielberg's film. And to be honest, I actually am probably one of the few people who did like AI. I, I like AI too, actually. But... Oh, that's hilarious. But I mean, yeah. but anyways, uh, um, no, no, I was thinking uh, like Ready Player One, things like that. Like, th- oh, okay. like his Good. latest sure, sure. film, which is like mostly CGI. Like you, you, it feels like almost like Spielberg put his name on it to get paid, and that's it. But I mean, Mm. ignoring you know his latest film, like his earlier film, or even I mean the '90s, even more recently, um, they're all extremely competent. Many of them are entertaining, and he knows how to use the score. And I and Spielberg, in my opinion, he doesn't actually abuse the score the way that other films do it part has to do with, with when, he, when
0: he's at his best he does not but sometimes sometimes he can go a bit far for me
1: but oh really okay. like say, i don't know like i'm thinking saving private ryan has like very dramatic scenes but they're just enough
0: okay see that's be, a good example i think of our differences for me saving private ryan does not work for me and it pushes it a little bit too far on the sentimentality uh that's probably like a good sort of like line in the sand of where maybe we uh we slightly differ on, on these films.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, for me for me it's like it's just enough. It's almost past it. But it stay, stays within the uh within the line.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. Well yeah, I mean uh I'm glad I brought that up uh, because I think he is an interesting comparison uh, to uh, Bong in in some sense. In the sense Mm -hmm. that they're both making, like, uh, entertaining films that are appealing to a mass audience but Mm -hmm. also are, like, technically very immaculate. And, you know, I think most film people would appreciate films from both directors.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, think of Akja. Yeah. Or um, Snowpiercers. I mean, those are two films that actually, uh, I would say, (laughs) Bong Joon-ho, Jung-ho... Steps He uh, steps to the line of Saving Private Ryan. And actually, in, in Okja, I think he steps further than...
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I like Okja. Uh, it's probably at the very bottom of my list for Bong's films. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I guess it's just sort of differences in temperament uh, to some extent. For me, uh, Bong never crosses that line. Uh, Spielberg sometimes does. I mean, I still like Spielberg in general, but uh, I bring him up as an example of a good director, in my opinion, um, that sometimes gets a little too sentimental for my taste. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Okay. Well, I also wanted uh, to sort of bring up uh, one interesting thing I thought with the tone, and I wanted to talk a bit about sort of like the torture uh, aspects to it. Is it's shown in a very interesting way. Um, we talked a little bit about how he doesn't demonize the characters that that way. They, like they don't go into a dark, moody room and like the character with kicking that kicks like lets off some like dr- like nasty sneer or something uh, where his face is half lit and starts beating people up. It's shown in a way that's really, really kind of blunt and frank in a mm-hmm. way. Like one example I wanted to give is where they're watching that like Inspector Cop TV, and they're literally watching it with the the suspect, mm-hmm. uh, and they're like seeing the theme song and stuff like that. And then uh, then I forget what happens, but it's like, oh, it's time to go back to work, which is literally means like the guy torturing. torturing, yeah, yeah, and like it's shown in a way that doesn't necessarily shy away. It's definitely not how they'd show it in a Hollywood film, but it's very honest and frank about it. But it's also kind of funny in a really dark way. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. How, do, how did you feel about that stuff?
1: It's funny. It's funny because, like, I think um, when I first watched it, and the, few t- the two times I've watched it with you, and we have an extremely dark sense of humor, you know, uh, we both laughed. We both laughed. I mean, we laughed about, you know, the, that scene. We laughed about the fact that he has, like, a, a boot cover, Right. Uh, to to beat up people. We, we laughed about all that stuff. Uh, last night was, I th- I think, the first time I've seen it by myself. Uh, and, I, yeah, I watched it the night before, you know, uh, recording. Very professional. Uh, anyways, uh, it, was, it was the first time watching it by myself. And I kind of thought twice about it. on it's comedic but probably highly realistic. Um, it's not uncommon uh, for it, it, I mean, if you if you read uh, torture reports from I don't know, like I mean, if I could even Chile, like it was not uncommon for the torturers to fraternize with their torturery during the off hours and. I mean, here, uh, here, you, you know, you have the exa- this example, right? Um, I, I mean, this is a little bit off topic, but I mean, they, there's a Chilean comedian who, like, he's kind of old now, but I mean, he was in the torture camps during the Pinochet dictatorship, like, uh, because he's a communist. Um, but the, the dude was always a comedian, and a, or actually, he wasn't a comedian before that, but, like, he became a comedian in... The tort- in torture camps or kind of concentration camps, because the guy like realized that he would gain favors by just telling jokes, <laughs> and and you know like and there was an interview where he would literally say like yeah no like I mean I would kind of like I was telling jokes to get everyone's spirits up, but I mean. The, the circuit police they kind of liked it too so they will all round up and like we're all left together and then you know next hour they would be shocking me on you know they would be shocking my body with electricity it's like damn you know and so going back like I mean yeah I I can see that like a small police precinct where they're used to you know torturing people and it's like during their off hours they're watching you know whatever like show is on TV
0: I mean, they probably got, like, three channels. I mean, you're going to watch what you're going to watch. they probably all watch the same stuff. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I I agree. Uh, like, I really like how it's portrayed, how stuff like the cruelty and the incompetence is shown to just be very almost banal and plain. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, it, it, it almost feels more honest in a way. And it's so it, – it it rather than being wrapped up in something uh, incredibly more sinister, um, I think it's – really interesting, uh, to show incompetence is sort of like something that, you know, people just sort of do to each other and, and just be really crude. Um, again, they come back to it later where like they go back to, uh, like his parents' place and are eating, uh, at the barbecue place that his, uh, dad runs, Mm -hmm. (laughs) even though they like literally just had this big standoff with them. And it totally gives off this like great sort of small town dynamic, where it's like, yeah, we've we've done some fucked up shit to each other, but we still live in the same city, and uh, maybe there's only one or two barbecue places, so yeah, we're going to eat here, and yeah, uh, it is. everyone's it is okay am- with that.
1: It is amazing, um, I mean, and this, this is to the writing of this film, right, uh, how the town itself is a character in that sense.
0: Yeah um but the the really under dramatization of the torture and stuff like that it reminds me a lot of um uh some japanese films uh filmmakers like uh kitano takeshi um and kurosawa kiyoshi uh and how they just sometimes will I, and i've shown you some of their films yeah, in the past no, you probably it. have to jog your memory um no, but he, just, didn't. <laughs> yeah they, but it's shown in just a way that's very different from sort of like Hollywood or Western conventions where uh we uh kind of go in for close ups and shown in just this way that 's very blunt and plain and uh i'm i 'm all in for that because uh, I think it 's an interesting way to show it
1: well with with takashi films uh, that 's part of the fun of those films right uh, the takashi films is you know the the dentists the, the i don't know I always think of uh I forget the name of the movie but like him, like, shoving, like, a, a dentist drill down someone's mouth, but it's, like, very, like, crude, outrage. real... Yeah, outrage, that was it. Um, and, I mean, like, yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. Uh, and what, what, what's interesting, though, is that in those films, that's kind of part of the fun, right? Those are g- gangster films, you know, uh, mainly... Um, i would say with the other director kitano uh that
0: was kitano uh that's Takeshi kitano the other um, one's uh kiyoshi kurosawa who did um cure and uh, pulse gotcha um and pulse that's the one uh where the internet kills people right and
1: cure okay
0: yeah, Kira's the hypnotist. Um, yes. Actually, one one interesting thing, I'll let you gather your thoughts, uh, is uh, in Sight and Sound does he poll every 10 years where they ask poll, uh, survey a bunch of directors and they ask them to put sort of like 10 films on uh, mm. that are their favorites. Uh, and one interesting thing with Bong, obviously this is almost a decade after he did Memories of Murder – um, is He named three serial killer films uh, Which means he's a pretty big fan of the genre As am I right. uh, One of them was uh, Vengeance is Mine Which is shows stuff from a uh, serial killer's point of view And is very sort of anthropological One of them was Kier So that's Kiyoshi Kurosawa So I'm guessing that's where uh, some of the influence comes in The third one was Zodiac Which we'll talk about a little bit later Because right. the comparisons with that film uh, There's a lot, we'll put it that way What's uh, interesting <laughs> is
1: I, I actually have not seen Zodiac so I don't know how much I can help out here.
0: Okay. Well, maybe that will be a very short monologue for me then in that yeah. case. Uh, great I mean, film. I, you should see it. <laughs> I, I
1: know. I know. And I know the comparisons. Um, I, I remember you telling me the comparisons back in 2008. I mean, you're saying like, yeah, uh, Sadiok is just slower. And I'm like, ah, fuck it. I don't want to watch that. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, for me, those films are both in my uh, top of uh the last that decade but uh memories of murder definitely is a special place uh above zodiac for me um
1: yeah no uh what what i was gonna mention about cure is cure from what i remember that it's been years since i saw last saw that film the violence was actually almost like far away you you never you never had a close-up it was usually like it was like twice removed. You would see you you would usually see a door frame, and then within that frame, you would see the person doing whatever killing they were doing. Uh, this one has a little bit more of a closer uh, violence, right? Uh, you, you can see from up close the the person committing the violence. However, there's very few little focus on the person receiving it. So the person receiving it is usually somewhat off camera, on the corner of the camera. And and and, and I think when it comes to framing, a big part of that has to do with the, the film telling you, this story is not about them. It's not about the person being tortured. This story is about the cops.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think you're right about that. Um, Kurosawa Kiyoshi definitely has a different feel to his films. Um, But they both sort of like keep the camera back in a way uh, that you know sort of distances itself emotionally from uh, the action taking place. I think Bong is probably a little more conventional uh, in some ways than Kurosawa, but um, they both uh, they both are interesting in that they deviate, I think, from sort of the genre conventions uh, of showing a kill or showing showing uh, human suffering or human damage. I mean, in uh, Bong's films especially, <laughs> the people suffering are often inert because they are also tied up. <laughs> so uh, they are not uh, not exactly moving a lot.
1: Or they're mentally disabled or something else, which is, again, if you actually think about it, these people are monsters. But
0: <laughs> y- yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
1: okay, well, I
0: wanted to also give you uh, some time to talk about Chile too. So let me set sort of the Wait, tone. Um, but. We-
1: you know what's okay. interesting? Have you done the uh, the
0: summary yet? Oh, shit. Uh, no, I, I didn't. Uh, one second. <laughs> Memories of murder. <laughs> so half okay. hour
1: into, the, into, yeah. the, into this. <laughs> okay. Uh, in
0: 1986, uh, Pak and Cho are two simple-minded detectives assigned to a double murder investigation in the South Korean province. But when the murderer strikes several more times with the same pattern, the detectives realize that they are chasing the country's first documented serial killer yeah yeah simple simple the, the premise of this is could be any serial killer movie really um, mm-hmm. it's it's the form of it that really sets it apart
1: yeah yeah i mean uh the killing of the serial killer i mean somewhat stylized it's really not that big of a focus you barely see the bodies i mean you see them but it's it, it it's what you don't see that it's almost scarier.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, one last thing I wanted to add to the Torch Report before we talk about the backdrop and Chili um, was that uh, the cruelty, I thought, was also interesting in the sense that it's not done sort of like in a dirty, hairy, extremely competent. This is what we need to do in order to get the criminals. Uh, we need to just push stuff to the boundary. It's just done in a far more uh, incompetent sort of way. Okay, Yeah, it's so. very improv- improvisational. Exactly. And I think that's probably what Song uh, Kong-ho brings a lot to this film, too. Supposedly mm-hmm. he, he uh, improvised the first uh, drum kick that he did. So, uh and he sort of gives that like great feel. We'll talk to about him later cuz he's fantastic in this film. He's good mm. in Parasite. He is he is super good in this film. Uh okay. Uh so uh let's talk about the backdrop. So, uh we talked a little bit about the Korean elections coming. Um and you know, Korea is a country that now is pretty technological, pretty developed um at this time. Uh Korea is not like Japan. It took a lot longer for that to happen and it happened in a really rapid time so um from 1986 uh to now um there has been a ton of changes in the country uh during this time uh there was a lot of protests a lot of uh, student protests specifically uh bong at this time would have been um i think 16 he was 34 when he uh released this film which is right around our age which is a little uh disturbing to think about um and uh he wait uh, how, how old is he He is now, uh, uh, by my math skills, 51.
1: Oh, shit. He looks super young. Uh,
0: Yeah, kind of. I mean, 51 for a director is not too old yet. That's true. That's true. Hopefully he has a lot of films left in him uh, because I am a fan of just about everything he does. Um, so, yeah, changing nation. Um, there, of course, uh, there are also sort of military defense drills. They are literally worried about a North Korean um, invasion. So there's sort of like blackout, uh, air raid sirens, stuff like that, where they cut the electricity. We see times when the detectives are sort of investigating with flashlight because electricity has been cut. Um, and I think it makes a really, really good and interesting backdrop just to see the country uh, changing during this time. Um Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I wanted to see any thoughts you had on that. Um, You have told me in the past that Chile, uh, the country you are from, um, is often compared, uh, at least internally, um, to some some folks, some folks, some folks to South Korea. Um, At that time, uh, you also had sort of a military dictatorship uh, in the 80s with Pinochet. Yeah. Um, so, So, yeah, you have the floor.
1: Oh yeah no no I mean like some folks I wouldn't say it's like a massive thing i've just seen it I've just seen it on like some uh, uh, like debates on news sometimes when they're talking about e- economics uh not so much about like uh, history per se but it, it, and, and and I've also seen that comparison uh when like when I was an undergrad when taking political economy of Latin America but uh the the reason why that that comparison happens is that um south korea chile but i mean so, so, yeah south korea and chile at least uh, in in the mid 80s where both countries relatively poor uh and somehow you know and and they they both had uh us backed dictatorships um and they both kind of gain uh or uh, uh, transition to democracy around the nineties, like late eighties or early eighties in Chile, and somehow South Korea became you know, an extremely technological uh, developed nation, while Chile today is still a, 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 a high uh, a, a high income developing nation. <laughs> Uh, probably one of the richest countries in Latin America, but still like nowhere near, you know, South Korea's level. Um, but to me personally, I, I do find fascinating more on the the just the little compa- echoes of of. Uh, the simplicity, if you will, the mental simplicity in the in the characters, like in the 80s. Like, I wouldn't be surprised, like, Chilean cops, Chilean detectives would have been the same way, right? When dealing with a the, with the crime not committed by the government. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, like, they were used to the government killing dissidents. They're not used to serial killers doing that. And whether having the technology or the know-how or the actual, like, uh... Procedures to capture a true, uh, like a, a, a criminal that is not the government, would have been probably really difficult.
0: Yeah, that's why you need the Italian Giallo detectives to come in.
1: I mean, haven't we talked about how they're also awful? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're pretty terrible. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just remember the Giallo where the, 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 the only cops that actually did something were the cops of Spain. Yeah, or or the
0: great Giallo investigative technique, where they're like, "We'll just take away your passport and make you investigate it for us." Random, <laughs> random artist. Yeah.
1: Um, but uh, I mean, I, I do think that Memories of Murder is sort of a fascinating film in the sense that it puts you in the place of of cops who are formed because I I don't I don't know if. They, actually watching when watching this movie back again, another little details uh, and the details are important and i mean uh, are how th- there's a scene where it's raining the radio is playing uh, this particular song, which was a sign that the killer was going to kill again and they wanted to uh, and, and the station the police station basically calls uh, i don 't know probably the provinces, leadership to send more backup, more police backup to have, to make sure that no, no, that women do not get killed and raped that night. But the leadership cannot send that backup because all the cops are quelling some protests somewhere else. And that actually echoes even today in Chile. Chile where I, I don't know if South Korea still has the issue, but in today in Chile cops are extremely efficient. Well not actually that efficient. But they, they whenever there is like a massive protest or something like that, you will have thousands of cops arresting people all the time. However, solving a simple crime is almost impossible. Uh and and it's like you can see a whole country's apparatus basically created to repress, not really to solve real crimes. And and that's sort of a, 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 an interesting comparison, an interesting similarity. I don't know if South Korea is like that today.
0: Yeah. I You know what? I, I don't know either, uh, specifically to that point. Um, but I think one interesting thing that becomes a lot more clear as you just sort of see Bong's uh, career as a whole and you see... Sort of going from this to the host, um, as well as all his other films. I mean, Snowpiercer is another obvious one. Is sort of like he, the way he portrays authority and like higher governmental institutions, which is generally he shows uh, very negatively.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and one interesting thing that it, it, about sort of like showing the sort of more humane side of the detectives is, I think he's partially more putting blame higher up towards the systems at fault uh, in certain ways. Like in the, in the host, it's the government that pours uh, chemicals – or the U.S. government specifically mm-hmm. – that pours chemicals down the drain. Um, here, I thought you highlighted that scene perfectly, uh, where they just don't refuse to send the resources. Even though sort of rain's coming down, they have all these signs that the killer is going to strike again. But the government has other priorities, and they've already um, assigned troops elsewhere uh, to what their real priorities are, uh, sort of suppressing uh, the student protests. Um, mm-hmm. And it sort of shows you how the system is not prioritized to handle this down to, I, I, don't, I mean, how they have to send the DNA test um, all the way to America uh, in order to get the results. Or how the cops, uh, in some ways, you could say it's his fault uh, that like, his car broke down. But really, it's more like the system and the resources that are not providing him what's necessary uh, to get it
1: yeah like uh, uh, people who are doing the real police work are do not have the resources all all of it goes to somewhere else and another another and this is another subtle uh element of it even in even the torture element uh when so you know uh we we got um- i think the characters character's name is um cho cho uh, the kicker yeah cho the kicker so so cho um you know, he's, he's pretty brutal, but he's like, you know, he's, he's a young cop. He, he clearly was trained that way. And you can tell in the sense that once the media is, is basically talking over and over again about the police torture, and they actually have a guy who they really think could be the killer, you know, the chief tells, tells Cho, do not hurt him, do not hit him. But Cho is just so—he's just so trained on it that he hit him. And then the very next scene, which is a comedic scene, but also it's a scene where uh, it's very telling of the failure of the structure. The the chief or ser- sergeant is telling him, "Didn't I tell you not to hit him? Didn't I tell you?" And then he literally kicks Cho down the stairs, like. Down fucking stairs. Like, he hit him. Like, first he punches him. He slaps him. And then kicks him down the stairs. Which, which looks like it hurts. Uh, completely. And then he kind of walks away. And, and again, it's portrayed in a comedic manner. But it also... It, it tells you a very deep story about how this is all the way down the chain. It's a, it's a culture of abuse and torture.
0: Yeah. I mean, he he's... Th- they're not portrayed as bad people but what you get the uh feeling of is that that is specifically how they've been trained yeah. and as the society has changed they have not trained detective cho how to evolve and move along with society
1: none of them um, have been trained except for except for um soul. so
0: yeah so uh yeah, I mean, I, I think that's really interesting too. And sort of at the end uh, of the film too, when we flash forward, finally we see how uh, Detective Park has been able to uh, evolve with society, which is apparently to sell uh, juicers, <laughs> which is kind of an amusing uh, profession to end up in. But uh, yeah, uh,
1: he, he just fucking quits. And he, then, yeah. and, and then, Detective Detective So devolves into into the inefficient uh, aggressive individuals that the other, the other cops are.
0: Right. The way that it shows sort of like the crisscross where in the end, uh, Park ends up being the sensible one that mm-hmm. ultimately does the right thing and prevents probably just a straight stone cold murder. Um, and, uh, uh, detective, uh, so who is so fed up with the system at that point, uh, that he's ready to just toss everything he once stood for, um, out. Um, I think it's, uh, it's super well done. I mean, yeah. it, the, the ways that the characters move and change and, and try to struggle to keep up with, like, the changing society as well as, like, just sort of uh, the, the murders that are being happened and the toll it's taking, uh,
1: the way it develops characters, it's just uh, immaculate. I mean, yeah, the, the layers in this film. There's just so many fucking layers and just a couple of of scenes and shots. yeah. Um, okay, well, let's see, uh, there's still,
0: I mean, there's a lot to talk about here, so I want to just make sure we hit the big stuff, um, you know, uh, there's a lot of great scenes in this film, so let me run some Bayou, uh, You pick out uh, if something hits Um, You know I'm reminded of uh, There's like a quote from a very good director Howard Hawks uh, That like a great movie is three really good Scenes and no bad scenes And this scene this film has so many good Scenes that it's uh, It has way more than three great ones So uh, all right, Um, The opening and the closing Uh, So where we see uh, the introduction To sort of that role setting the kid copying him And then we sort of close with him uh, At the end um the uh this one might be a good one uh the second murder scene uh where the camera is sort of like tracking him along and we see sort of like the police procedural where people are just falling down that hill <laughs> repeatedly and the forensic team is doing it you want to do uh, that
1: one i mean let's do what you know y- you lead this I-, I think all of them have so much to to be talked about i mean
0: okay so yeah, I mean one, th- one thing about this film, about the look of it, is how it um, it does a lot of stuff without cutting a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it cuts probably a lot less than American films. This scene is a good example um, because you're basically like circling and just touring the whole scene. And we sort of start with uh, Detective Park identifying a shot of like a sneaker, um, and then we sort of follow him around while they're trying to uh, control the press and waiting for the forensic team to survive. Meanwhile, everyone, yes, which is very late. Meanwhile, everyone is just sort of falling down the hill, including, uh, his boss, um, who might've been the chief. It's a different chief to start out with. Um, and it's funny. Um, and, uh, he's just trying to make sure the scene doesn't get too tainted. We see in the first scene also, we'd have already seen in the first scene, which was even worse where we see them like waving around crime scene stuff. Um, and then eventually a tractor is going and he's like, go, don't, don't run over. Don't run it over. Um, but he doesn't catch it in time, so the tractor literally just runs over the uh, the uh, footprint that he mm-hmm. wanted to save, and uh, and then finally um, the forensic team arrives just to fall down the hill, and it just sort of just encompasses just general incompetence, but also like it's really funny, like oh, it's, it's legitimately it's really really funny, um, and just how he juggles like two or three things and two or three different emotions at the same mm-hmm. time. It's just
1: really, really good. I mean, the level of chaos in, in, in that small scene, I mean, I, I, I can only imagine, I, I, mean, I, I would love if, you know, like those uh, YouTube videos where they have uh, forensic react or whatever, like real cop reacts. I'd love to have them like see that scene and just talk about it because I mean the failures are like from top to top to bottom and bottom to top is just complete and utter failure, incompetence, and chaos. Like
0: yeah, not to mention <laughs> Park is probably the most competent person at that scene. I he's know he's like at least trying to do the right things, but uh, <laughs> he is not set up for success in that scene.
1: I mean, it, I mean, it's interesting how, like, the, none of the cops are, like, trying to create a real perimeter or, you know, block a fucking tractor from uh, running over the only clue they had.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. And, I, you know, I really like how for each
0: crime scene they just sort of build on it and they get a little bit better at handling it each time. Like, I think in a later one, I don't know if it's the next one or the one after that, uh, we see Detective Soul with, like, the megaphone that's like, stop. No one do anything. Everyone shut the fuck up. We're gonna we're gonna do this the right
1: way. No, that that was a chase scene.
0: No, no, this is a crime scene. I'm talking about like after after there's a. Uh, oh, he does he does it twice. I think with the megaphone. I know what you're talking about in the court. Oh, that's
1: yeah. isn't that when they do the the sweep at the field to search for the the third on uh, the third body. I want to say it's a crime scene, but you know, I think I mean, we're that, talking that's, about the same moment. It's it still it a crime really... scene, technically.
0: Okay, sure, sure, sure. Um, I uh, yeah, I want to say it was after they discovered a body, but uh, I could be mistaken.
1: Because I'm thinking like the the, the very last uh, crime scene you uh, shown in the film, which is with the little girl or the high schooler. I don't know if she a high schooler or middle schooler. Um that one looks really chaotic as well i mean you see the parents just crying you see cops vomiting that Uh, that's the one with rain
0: like it's raining when they actually get to the crime scene yeah
1: yeah um and you just see the press taking thousands of pictures of this like this little girl like dead girl and it's just very. It's it, it's played in a more dramatic sense, uh, as opposed to the first crime scene, which is just straight up com- comedic. The last crime scene is uh, very dramatic, but I think the it's it's very chaotic as well. It's just the the, the framing of the film makes it seem more. Um, more correct but i mean it's cha- it's sufficiently chaotic that uh detective uh, so goes touches the body right to cover her up walks away and the cops are uh, and the cops who are looking at it is like who the fuck is that guy you know um so there's still hints of not having the system down sure sure sure
0: but they do i i mean it's hard to argue that they get it's only uphill from uh, running over a uh, a footprint uh, with the tractor. Sure. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, anything else on that on that second murder scene? Uh, the tractor, the tracking shot, all that stuff.
1: No, no, I, I okay. think we talked
0: enough. This one's a short one. Um, we'll quickly talk about it. I like how they introduce the sole detective, um, where it sort of starts with like this dread, where it's like there's a woman uh, that. Thinks she's being followed um, And so uh-huh. she's sort of worried uh, And then like they end up falling down the hill um, So it's kind of funny And then like Detective Park sees The guy talking to her He's like what is this a Rufus Paradise And just mm-hmm. like jump kicks down And kicks the guy who turns out to be Detective Soul. And that's mm-hmm. how we get introduced to it <laughs> And it's it kind of It shows the dread You get the comedy And then you introduce the new
1: character So it's serving a narrative function as well um, And I- it's very well done i mean i mean this is where where you get a, a feel of the paranoia in the town which is you know very present every all, all women in the town are scared um and it 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 adds to it that there's that weird scarecrow uh like saying turn yourself in or something like that uh as a as a woman yeah walking. yeah yeah with with the red yeah yeah and uh, so you got the paranoia they picked, they picked up on the red earlier than the cops did too I know I know uh, uh, you, got, you got the um, you know you, you got the stranger so I mean th- there is a clear question but then of course when, once the guy starts talking to her he kind of seems like an idiot which is one, one thing about uh, Jungle, uh, uh, about Ho's films is that he I mean Bong's films is that Everyone is kind of an idiot. Yeah, at moments, like everyone has a brilliant moment, but everyone also kind of is an idiot at some moments.
0: I mean, it sure stands out in uh, you know American films, especially action genre films. We're used to having like the best of the best, like the competent, or maybe uh-huh. they have like one flaw or something like that. Bong's characters are like highly flawed, and I love it.
1: Yeah, and, and I mean, even Sol, who is like the best of the best in there. Is he? Still comes <laughs> off kind of like the a be- goof. Best of the bumpkins. <laughs> exactly, and, uh, and yeah, the, so no, it's, it's a great it's a great moment because it started with a little bit of horror, like it's almost like a horror film, and then it ends with, you know, this random like jump kick or drop kick almost.
0: Yeah. You know, I have a – this is a tangent slightly, but I wanted to bring this up sometime in the podcast, so I'll bring it up now. Um, you know, I have a different theory on So now. Um, how, uh, like, originally I think you read it as sort of like he's being brought in to help solve the case. And I think that's certainly one motive. But I think another motive might be he's a pain in the ass, and he's kind of a dick. And he's, like, not not a, not a great team player um, is one thing you realize about him in the film. Like, he really – he collects a lot of information, and he does not try to communicate it very well with Park. Um, so I think he's uh, he's a good detective, but a bad communicator. Well, he's um, a
1: snob. He's, he's a complete snob. Yeah, um, and I
0: and I think Sol may have just wanted to get rid of him. So they're like, "All right, you can go on the shit detail over here."
1: Mm-hmm. That's
0: my that's my new working theory with him.
1: No, I, I I think I I agree. I mean, so never 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 tells uh, Park that you know his theory of hairless people uh, is wrong, and that's in part. So Park is not uh, He doesn't get on on his way.
0: Yeah, I mean, also it's like Soul realizes that like the first reenactment, which we'll talk about in just a moment, um, is a sham because uh, the guy doesn't have the right hands for it, um, and he and they're like uh what should we do he's like oh continue on uh, and so yeah. he just sort of lets the let stuff build um there's uh yeah there's and like or even when like the new chief is talking and they're like what are some stuff about the women and like detective park and cho have pretty useless suggestions oh they're all beautiful and young whatever um and then he has real information that he had not shared up to that point mm. so not not a good team player, Detective
1: Souls. and certainly not to start. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, I I, I agree. Uh, okay. Also, it, it is surprising that being the uh, like the first like serial killer in South Korea, though, that they would only send one one uh, detective from Seoul.
0: Yeah, I mean, it begs the question: Do they really? How much do they really want to solve this um, when it might be just impacting this very small uh, rural uh, community. It's like clearly not a priority. Yeah, how much do they care? Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. So next scene, uh, the reenactment, which I also thought was really funny, um, how they sort of have the chaos and slow-mo. There's like the guy in the dress that's supposed to be the victim that just starts beating up in the suspect while everyone are screaming about torture. Uh I I just found that seemed to be really, really funny too.
1: Yeah, Um, no, that is. Especially the dad when he comes in. Yeah. And he's just like, like, son, you're innocent. You're innocent. And son's like, (laughs) yeah.
0: There's like a moment in uh, The Host where they're at a funeral for people and like it's very sad and then all of a sudden they start falling on the ground and like what the fuck am i supposed to laugh is this funny and i feel like this film scene kind of plays the same way having Mm -hmm. seen this film so many times i know it's supposed to be funny um so i know i get the cues and stuff but uh you know i i think the original time i tossed this you're like what the fuck like is this unintentionally funny and then you realize nope it is intentionally uh very funny actually
1: yeah yeah that's I mean, this is another another of those scenes. I mean, if, I guess if you've never seen this director, like, yeah, that's another of those moments where you're you are realizing, oh, there's like some sense of humor here that is just really dark, <laughs> but yeah. hilarious. And
0: clearly, both of us connect pretty strongly with uh, that sort of like darkly humorous yeah. uh, nature. Um, uh, okay, next scene. I'm just gonna. Pound these out uh, This one I like too uh, The karaoke uh, We start with so the bad singing of uh, Detective Park uh, mm-hmm. Which is always great Song is Song Song Kong Ho Funny guy uh, I could watch him riff and, and do comedy all the time uh, Meanwhile we have uh, Sol Who's like just kind of eating fruit He's like past a banana He's like peeling some fruit in the side mm-hmm. uh, We have uh, the chief Who's passed out and then we have the other, the torturing detective, Detective Cho, sort of like making out with a woman in the back. And then mm-hmm. they sort of start having this this serious discussion, um, a very drunk discussion, um, where, uh, where Detective Park ends up saying that Korea is the size of his dick in America. They have to investigate with their brains. Um, it's very, very funny. I wish I could quote it more exactly. Um, and then then the chief wakes up and starts to throw up. It's all done in like one shot where you're seeing everything going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like it. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of that. The way that that scene is staged, how you're showing all this different stuff going on um, and how at the end, the chief throws up and like basically chastises them. And it's like, you two better fucking
1: get along. No, for sure. And I mean, and, and when it comes to character construction, uh, I think it does a really good job too. Cause I mean, just, you know, play by play, the scene is very funny the 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 monologue that uh, Park goes into is hilarious, right? Uh, talking about how it's like, oh, you you know, oh, you the uh, you're a detective from Seoul. What you think you're from America? You think you're FBI? America's huge. That's why. So they cannot go around and do all that. That's why they use their brain. You know, that's the the nerdy stuff. South Korea, it's small. The size of my... Well, it's the size of my dick, or something like that. It was <laughs> yeah. Like, and it was like, so so here we can use legs, and that's what we do. Real detectives in Korea use legs. In America, they use brains. But that's yeah. because they cannot use their legs. And, yeah. But... It, it, so, yeah, I know. It's, it's a hilarious quote. I, I know I'm paraphrasing. It's probably... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, I wish but, I but had that, pulled up. But that, that's a little bit of uh, the message. But uh, the, what I like about that also is that it really shows um, the disdain that uh, Det- Detective Park has with uh, 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 Detective So in that um, he, uh, like he's so accustomed to being an action person like he's uh, accustomed to being a cop, like a like a, a, a street cop, if you will, and, and this whole looking at records, uh, taking records, just doing the paperwork that is required to real, do real investigation, a proper investigation, is <clears throat> it's new to him and it's almost threatening, right? Like he he sees his position as as, a, as the, the smartest detective in the town. Uh, completely threatened by this person coming from Seoul. And at the same time, he's telling him, dude, you're not that good. You're not FBI. You're, you're just a shitty cop from Seoul. You're as shitty as I am. So I get yeah. like it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's a good point. I think as far as direct direct, uh, detective Park's character too, his insecurity really comes across when detective Seoul comes in. Um, and, and, you know, it doesn't help by Detective uh, So's sort of lack of communication. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's an eventual point where it, like, pulls back and it's like, Detective So is, like, the very competent one. And then we pull back again and there's a moment that kind of helps to really create the small town vibe where where Park asks So, is like, does this stuff happen in Seoul very often? And Detective So is like, never. Uh, and it just sort of correctly frames this as how this is like i don't know it's bigger than both of them in some ways it's yeah like small town cop big town big city cop it it's working together uh it's still bigger than both of them and neither it sort of consumes both of them uh in the course of the film you
1: yeah, know and i also i mean well and that's kind of the evolution of the characters too right i mean like at yeah. that point detective park does believe Detective So, uh, uh, and on the other hand, Detective So is little by little sort of reverting, uh, like regressing in in his ways. But yeah. but what but that's that's an interesting connection you bring up in that it also tells you that in a way, Detective Park is correct. Detective So comes in thinking he's hot shit, thinking you know, thinking he's FBI because probably he's training at the big city. It might be even taught by an FBI agent. agent, Who knows? Right.
0: And there's no doubt he's thoroughly unimpressed with everything he sees at this uh, the police department. Correctly so.
1: Right. But at the end of the day, uh, it is a movie set in South Korea in the '80s, and South Korea is a small, shitty country. Yeah, (laughs) including Seoul. Including Seoul. I mean, that's it. it, When it would, you know, it tells you not only is this the first time that this kind of shit is happening there, but also is the first time that, like, something so complicated is happening that they cannot resolve, and they have to literally go to the U.S., require, you know, U.S. help in order to solve these actual crimes. With a quick tangent there, one thing I read is that in in real life, and this might... and, and, and I'm int, int, intrigued that uh, Bong, Bong Joon-ho did not include this. Because in real life, uh, the the forensic test for the semen was sent to Japan. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, I think that would have added uh, another wrinkle to the story in the sense that South Korea and Japan... Are not friends. They're not enemies, but no. they're not. But there's a history that between those yeah. two nations. <laughs> there's some historical animosity, no doubt about it. Um, but, but 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 that would also create that uh, that would add to that concept of like South Korea is this small shitty country in the sense that like, you literally have to rely on this other Asian country that you disdain.
0: Yeah,
1: frenemies. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, you know, they could have done it that way, uh, or they could do it the way of America and America is referenced, uh, like with the FBI and stuff like that. So yeah, no, I'm it, okay it with the way they did it. I don't know if there's a wrong decision there. Um, I wouldn't find which. Yeah,
1: exactly. No, I, I don't think it's wrong. I think, I mean, it goes well with the, uh, especially with the rent and also it, it just connects so beautifully. I mean, and this is more on the Mac on the macro level, like, uh, it really, really connects beautifully that, you know, you got, the, you got that monologue, the, the drunken monologue. And then at the end, they do have to rely on the FBI for.
0: Yeah. And to, to, to no surprise to Americans, the FBI was pretty useless.
1: I mean, the, the FBI did what they asked them to do. Yeah. Check. But, it, but it did not help them solve the crime. <laughs> no, because they, the, they didn't have the right guy. Yeah, is it conclusive? In fact, it did help them do what th- their job is, which is not to catch innocent people. Yeah. So it did help them do the job. I mean, it, it would have was, been a double it, injustice. Wasn't it inconclusive? No, it, it said that, uh, yeah, it, it was inconclusive in the sense that. They they could not. There were not enough uh, similarities between the the between the two, to make a conclusive decision. In I short, think. in short, I mean like, in it science, uh uh-huh. In science, nothing is conclusive. Uh-huh. Okay. It's, it's about certainty, enough. and there just wasn't. There was no certainty. Okay. Well, I guess the up I did do uh, there. Okay,
0: so let's keep going because uh, I know we're going to go a bit long here. Um, so this is one of my favorite scenes uh, where we start with Detective Park going to the shaman, and then him and Cho go uh, to sort of like the scene of the crime to go see what's happening and, and do, well, not to go see what's happening, to go do the shaman, whatever the shaman told them to do. Uh, and then they hear something coming up to them, and they're like, oh, who's that? And it's like, haven't you ever heard uh, the... the, the uh, the uh, the perpetrator always returns to the scene of the crime. So they go over and then they hide. And it turns out it's Detective Soul. And uh, Detective Cho is like, oh, he looks pretty cool, though, smoking his cigarette there. <laughs> like, what the hell is he doing? And then a second person comes. And <laughs> and then Detective Soul has to go and hide. Um, and, and then uh, that person starts masturbating, uh, with, pulls out some woman's clothes and has red underwear on. Um, mm-hmm. and uh and then uh they have to chase that person down and go through the scenes, and then they end up at the rock quarry um I really like how that scene was constructed um, mm-hmm. and how uh it just one thing leads to another
1: no i i agree i mean the i again like to this director's credit like he's the construction of every scene and the logical progression of everything that happens in the film are just so flawless. So going from a shaman to the ritual, to everything you mentioned, all the way ending to the arrest of another innocent man, a fucking pervert, for sure, but an innocent man, um, is... uh, fascinating um, I also really like the chasing itself
0: yeah it's well done it's all on foot uh, it looks good sort of takes you through the town mm-hmm. uh, you, you sort of get your second introduction to that one uh, teenage kid who sadly is killed and it's nice how they sort of built that into it so mm-hmm. you get more of a connection with her uh, and then I really like how they uh, conduct the uh, scene at the quarry where you get to see a little bit of like the uh, industry of the town Um, And you also just see how Detective Park, through his actual detective skills, (laughs) uh, notices uh, the red underwear and is able to find them. But uh, he'd rather live behind the myth of his uh, mystic uh, being able to stare into someone's eyes and and get them. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then how how he calls in Detective Cho to perform the uh, jump kick to knock him down. Uh, Yeah, Detective Cho is basically like um, the enforcer in hockey. Where he doesn't, he has no no discernible skills as a detective, other than to beat the shit out of people.
1: Yeah, Uh, no, for sure. Uh, And in this one, I think uh, the torture. I mean, this then leads to the torture of that man, which again another moment where you correctly say, like, so is such a bad is is such a bad cop in the sense that like. After a little bit, he realizes, no, that man is not the killer, and starts doing his own investigation. However, he allows uh, the other two to just torture this guy, like, hanging him. I mean, they do a whole bunch of shit.
0: Yeah, he's hanging upside down. I mean, at one point, the chief comes, and he, like, sees the rope. It's like, were you hanging this guy? They're like, uh, yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um... But, um, but I mean, the guy is gross, which is kind of the, 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 the weird part about it. Like, the man is gross. Like, they visit his house uh, and he's just, like, full of pornography and he really likes the really, like, awful shit. <laughs> yeah. But, so, I mean, like, he would be perfect. as the su- He was the perfect suspect, but for the fact that he wasn't.
0: Yeah. I mean, it it accomplishes a couple things. It shows, A, also how it uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, stimulates the imagination of the locals uh, Mm -hmm. in sometimes some
1: pretty perverse ways. You know, uh, I don't know if we were going to talk about this later, but uh, one thing about the chase scene and also this man's um, household in general, but, like, the chase scene is what uh, brought, like, Picked this, up, like, caught my attention was the, the alleyways or locations where they were doing the chase. They all look like almost like illegal encampments, or if you will, like shanty towns. Like, I mean, they, they weren't shanty towns per se because it's a, it's a town, but I mean, all the structures, all the houses, all the buildings were um, like loosely made with like loose wood, uh, lots of garbage. Uh, so I mean, that's if you have ever been to a shanty town, that's how they look. Uh, so whether or not it was shant- it was a shanty or, a slum- or or you know like illegal encampment, didn't matter. It it really showed how poor the town was. I mean, even including the the house of the pervert when they go into his hu- uh, investigate into his house, right? And you got you got a, 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 a tiny a ass house with a wife and many kids, and the wife is just. Dying of something She's sick She's coughing A whole bunch um, And it, It's just uh, Sort of Interesting in the sense that Almost You, you realize I realized in that moment All the suspects Were people who were Extremely poor As well
0: Yeah Yeah I mean this whole film Pretty much everyone is Like not Wealthy it's like just varying degrees
1: of uh poverty. Right. But I mean, but but I mean this man was definitely within the low the 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 lowest degree of poverty. Right. Yeah.
0: I mean the other person's place we see is Detective Park. And I wouldn't call Detective Park even middle class, but it's definitely a little bit nicer than this person's place.
1: Right. But I mean, yeah, they're they're all poor, but I mean even then uh we Detective Park I, I uh, the first time for example where his wife i think or his girlfriend
0: uh, eventual wife for sure i mean we see her in the uh in the flash forward to
1: 2003 right so yeah his girlfriend when she's talking about uh the mentally disabled kid she, he's, like describe him, him him to describe him and she's like um i don't know uh, and then the first the, the only thing she thinks of th- saying is like poor <laughs> and it's like Damn. Okay. <laughs> so, so you got like the like, classism within within that within that area er, er, area and I mean, and, and I like how it's present and never discussed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not on your face. It's just yes. it's there.
0: Yeah, it, it's part of the backdrop and the scenery uh, that adds so much to this film. Um, okay, let's uh, keep it moving. Um, uh, the final kill. Um, I thought this one was good. It's probably the most... one that shows, like, a sense of dread and the most frustration with it, um, where the car won't stop. Or, won't, mm-hmm. won't start, I'm sorry. Uh, and he can't follow uh, the person. And mm-hmm. uh, we also sort of... One of, uh, other interesting thing I thought it showed here is it actually shows the killer's POV. Um, and we get this sort of, like, sick choice that he has uh, between, um, between uh, actually, Detective Park's wife um, and and the young teenager student that we had seen earlier mm-hmm. um and it's interesting this is probably like the most we see of the actual killing most of that stuff is off screen but we see the person like tied up and being hauled um and it just has like a certain sense of hopelessness where you know that these detectives have tried a lot um and uh they have uh, and we just know there's another murder that's going to happen yeah,
1: and I mean, and this is the moment uh, we had talked about before, where the cops cannot even get backup because they're all repressing student protests. Yeah, this, yeah, that's this, yeah, that's that's moment too. So it's like the entire system is built to allow that girl to be brutal, brutally killed. Yeah, yeah, and then
0: it cuts to rain, and we see the band aid that's discovered by uh detective uh soul and I think that's the thing that really just tips him over the edge that mm-hmm. where he gets to the point where he's like we just need to beat this guy to an inch of his life and make him confess. And the Detective Park is like, You have changed <laughs> uh, Yeah. So um so yeah, I, I thought that was uh good and sort of shows the uh darker nature of this. It's probably the most devastating um kill uh in that sense. Um, One other thing I wanted to bring up and just sort of like the general patterns and stuff that are established. One thing that I think is interesting is that we establish that they're wearing red and it rains and there's a sad song that plays. And throughout the film, after those are established, we slowly discard them. Um, One of the people that's killed, uh, she's originally wearing a red jacket and then she takes it off. Um, And then eventually that last kill, actually, that I was just talking about, does not occur in the rain. Uh, And... Actually, the aftermath occurs in the rain. Um, and the sad song is probably the only thing that really lasts to the end, and that's what lets them catch Park. I don't know if the sad song actually applied to The Last Kill or not, but regardless... Yeah, um, it did. It did. It, it, it's interesting the way that they have these patterns, and then they slowly get uh, uh, like reduced or eliminated.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, at the end, the sad song is probably the only thing that works, which is what leaves you... believe. Believing till the end that uh, that their the prime suspect yeah is the killer right
0: and also coincidentally is a thing that is discovered by none of the three detectives or the chief but mm-hmm. by uh, by uh,
1: i don 't even know if she's detective Quan but Kwan, uh, the police officer which is uh another another uh, thematic thing in the in this film which is not. Which is also subtle, but uh can can op- definitely opens conversation, which is uh um i mean viewing it within the, with with feminist perspective if you will uh that you you have all this all the characters that you see are are male and detective Quan, and she is a detective at least that's how she's introduced in the film okay mm-hmm. uh I mean, the only times that she was used or that she, she shows up uh, is uh, as a, um, what's it called, as a trap for the killer. She's wearing red, blah, blah, blah. And, and I mean, the first time you see her actually is when they're using her as kind of undercover to see if they can catch the killer that way. And, and the only t- thing they talk about between the two cops as they see her is how hot she looks. Uh, with a lipstick and makeup. Uh, we can go later on, on on that scene if you remember it.
0: Oh, I do. Yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, she's uh, not treated seriously as an investigator. I mean, even when I, she brings up what is eventually like a very good clue. Uh, right. It's like. Uh, uh, right. So yeah, that like, that
1: was the se- the second part. Was uh when she brings up the clue is they are um, you know, they're discussing different theories. Basically they have nothing, clearly. And and the only reason she's there is because she's serving coffee to all of them. Even though she's a detective, she's serving coffee and then when she brings up her theory or, or her observations, uh, as you mentioned, uh at least Detective Park dismisses her observation and, and Detective So is like looks into it.
0: Yeah. I mean the the chief and detective Soul do take it seriously, but Park has a more promising lead to follow up with the uh, Baldies, right? <laughs> on on
1: Parkins, <laughs> on Parkins um, that uh, you know is like just get, serving more coffee or whatever, like, yeah. Uh, So,
0: yeah, I have uh, one last scene, then I want to bring up Song Kong Ho, and then we're going to wrap, because I know we're going pretty long here. Okay, so uh, last scene I have is the tunnel shot, uh, Mm -hmm. which is like sort of the dramatic climax of the film, where where he grabs uh, the suspect, uh, who I think is also named Park uh, in the film. uh, But he grabs him, uh, and he's ready to kill him, and then the DNA evidence comes in. And it is uh, not conclusive Or does not match mm. um, And so uh, It has and it. I love the shot where um, Park is holding him up He's like, is it you? And then he just is like, fuck, I don't know And he just pushes him aside uh, And he lets them escape Meanwhile, Sol is so off the rails At that point that he fires a shot at him um, Which misses, and the guy just sort of Walks away um, mm-hmm. And one thing I wasn't sure about is like after so many viewings of this film, after so many years, I wasn't sure if it's going to land well, but for me, it still hits super well. Um, it's just still very emotional and it works, uh, on just about every level.
1: Oh, no, Um, definitely. And and I think part has to do with the little details, uh, the little details in that, in that shot as well, because, uh, it, it has some dramatic elements, for example, the train, uh, as, is not only that Park lets go, a detective Park lets go, the uh, prime suspect, but as he lets go the prime suspect, there's a train that literally breaks, uh, like, that cuts their view between the prime suspect and the main characters. And I think visually, uh, I believe that that's, this is probably the, the intent, not only the train goes through it, but the train runs over the FBI, uh, FBI's uh, conclusions, right. completely uh-huh. ripping them apart. Uh, sort of telling you like this breach between what should be done and what shouldn't, have, uh, and what, and sort of like just separating both of them. And I, I think all those little elements make it even stronger uh, as a film and more uh, add more significance to it. Right
0: it's beautifully shot too also in the rain and like uh just very moody and then we see the person like we see like this shot uh, shot from the tunnel where everyone's like a silhouette um it looks fantastic Mm -hmm. um, and it's super dramatic
1: yeah yeah no definitely um all right so you wanted to jump into a song kang hao
0: yeah, let's quickly do Song Kang Ho. Um, I think he. I think for me, this is still his favorite part. He's one of my favorite um, Korean actors, or maybe just I should just say that uh, unequivocally. He's one of my favorite actors. Mm-hmm. I can't really think of any good American equivalent. I said earlier that I think he's good in Parasite, but he's great in this. For me, this is his best role, um, and just the way that he sort of has this sort of improvisational humor to it, but can also just sort of land the correct. Uh, uh, emotional beats uh, in that sense I think he's a perfect fit for uh for uh Bong Joon-ho who mm-hmm. does frequently cast him um so I think he's really really fantastic in this film um and you know for South Korean audiences I don't think he needs to be celebrated much more he has won a lot of awards over there and is rightly seen as one of the great actors over there but I think for maybe audiences that are not familiar with this work um they he might go a little um they, might, they just might not be as aware
1: of how great of an actor he is. He's, no, he's. I I completely agree. He's a, a, a very impressive uh, actor, um, and this is this. I mean, everything you said, basically everything you said. I've seen him on serious on roles where they're uh, just straight up dramatic, and he's a serious serious character, uh, and it is impressive how he can really play those roles as well. So, I mean, uh, with Bang Jung hos films, he tends to be sort of, uh, a comedic character at a certain level. Partly with, at least. Like partly, yeah, partly comedic. Uh, but I mean, there are other films where he's not, and he does really well. Um, so, I mean, I, I would say he's probably one of the best actors out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, he's,
0: and he's just, a, I think he's two years older than Bong, so hopefully their partnership can last. I mean, he kind of gives me the feeling after watching a Bong film with him. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons that uh, Bong's films in Korea are better, is because they also have song, uh, he can utilize song more. Um, but sort of gives me the feeling just when you see like Taxi Driver or Raging Bull with Scorsese and De Niro, like, fuck, that was a great film. And uh, Scorsese made it, and De Niro is great in it. Uh, mm-hmm. And for me, I get a similar feeling um, when watching this, where it's like, yeah, Bong fucking nailed it, but Song was also fantastic uh, yeah. and it really helped to nail in the points. Um, so, like, if I was to name the second most important person in this film, it'd probably be that person. No, I, yeah, I
1: completely I agree.
0: Okay, uh, so let's wrap then. Uh, now that we have covered that, I think this probably ran pretty long. So who won the movie and rating? Uh, I
1: mean uh, I mean yeah this is no doubt for me unfortunately it's uh, Bong Joon-ho uh, he it's just a very master, masterfully done film uh, between the writing uh, the directing the film composition uh, uh, the, the shot compositions uh, everything I mean it, it just, it's just a very impressive film to watch
0: yeah. Is it your favorite film of the 21st century or
1: no. up there? No. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I have a favorite. I mean, maybe, okay. I, I don't know, but it's, I mean, it's up there. Okay. It's, it's up there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I,
0: I, I think I have to go with Bong too. Uh, this is just one of those ones where it's so clear that he's the winner that I can't even try to give it to someone else. Um, rating 10. Yeah. Same here. 10 out of 10. Uh, yeah. Um... Yeah. I had one last note, and I can't read my handwriting, so uh, <laughs> that's it. Uh, oh yeah, I was gonna say, um, yeah, this ten out of ten. Th- I would come closer to saying this is a perfect film than Argento's films. It's interesting to sort of go from Argento's films to this. Um, how those are so like visually stimulating. It's almost like this just uses a different part of your brain, where it's just so perfectly constructed, and stuff just works on a different level. Whereas like Argento films, I enjoy them a lot, uh, and I adore them, but they're uh, they don't have the same emotional tenor and Gravity is a film like this so uh, this is probably one that I more readily recommend than a Dario Argento film
1: wait did you give a 10 to one of the Argento films I gave it to a bunch of Argento films that um, that we talked to in the, this podcast yeah yeah oh wow okay Thanks Yeah, for I, attention I, I, I don't know I forget it's been a while yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's fine I'm, I'm giving you shit <laughs> um no that's yeah that's interesting um yeah I, I don't give many 10s at all so like you this know, is.
0: I, I don't either. Uh, according to my ratings, it's like about one in every 70 films uh, that I give a 10. But, oh. uh, you know, uh, for film to film, it's been a high amount, mainly because it's selection bias. I'm selecting the films.
1: Too. Yeah, we talk about films that are usually about films that we like yeah. um, and that we wouldn't recommend, of course. Um, t- still, I guess I, I'm just not a very big... Uh, 10 giver (laughs) well i mean it's just depends if you were
0: selecting your favorite films of all time to bring on here you'd probably be giving more tens
1: oh sure sure um and instead i'm selecting films uh uh, films that i think are interesting to watch but not necessarily like my favorites
0: yeah whereas i'm doing kind of a mix of it so it's fine it it makes sense Okay, well, thank you everyone for tuning in. You can send us an email at zafilmtofilm at gmail.com or send us a tweet at zafilmtofilm. Film, um, and uh, we will catch you all next time.
1: See ya.